the Muslim wayfarer to Allah and the home of the hereafter is unable to complete his journey to his Lord in the absence of three bits of luggage. These three bits of luggage were manifest in the lives of all of the prophets and messengers. And these pieces of luggage were present and are present and will continue to be present with every righteous Muslim and Muslim until the end of time. There can be no pleasing of Allah, no safety in the grave, no help in the hereafter, and nor success when we arrive at the gates of Jannah without these three pieces of luggage. What are they? The first is Tawheed, to unify Allah Almighty in worship. And the second piece of luggage is Al-Ittiba' conformity to the prophetic way. And the third of them is Tazkiyah, the purification of the soul. There is no success without them. And it was the provision of every prophet and righteous man and woman till the end of time. As for Tawheed, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Allah said, I've only created the jinn kind and mankind so that they may worship me. And when he وسلم, sent Mu'adh to Yemen to invite them to Islam, what was his instruction? He said, فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلُ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةً أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ He said, the very first thing you are to call them towards when you arrive in Yemen is that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah. Muhammad وسلم, is his messenger. Tawheed, luggage number one. Luggage number two we said is what? Javed. Al-Ittiba' conformity to the way of the Prophet The hadith which you know Whoever invents a matter in our religion that's not part of it will have it rejected. All of the doors to Allah are shut with the exception of the door of the Prophet Muhammad i.e. along his prophetic footsteps. That's luggage number two, conformity to the prophetic way. Luggage number three is what, Abdullah? Tazkiyah, the purification of the soul. Qad aflaha man tazakka. Successful is he who purifies himself. Tawheed, conformity to the prophetic way, and tazkiyah. And here is what is amazing. All three of these pieces of luggage can be found in a patently obvious way in the institution of marriage. Tawheed is there, conformity to the prophetic way is there, and tazkiyah is there. How is Tawheed found in marriage? Very obvious. No matter how independent a man or a woman may claim to be in life, there will be a point in their existence when they will hit a brick wall a rock bottom, they cannot continue without a spouse. We are weak when we are by ourselves. And we are much stronger when we are married. As for Allah Jalla Jalaluhu, He has not taken for Himself a wife, nor a son, nor a partner. And so the fact that you need to get married, you only become complete when you are a dual, is a reminder of the what? Of the oneness of Allah Jalla Jalaluhu wa annahu ta'ala jaddu rabbina matakhadna sahibatan wala walada. Allah said, and he exalted is our Lord 
has not taken for himself a wife or a child. And Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, Badi'u samawati wal ard. He is the originator of the heavens and the earth. Anna yakunu lahu walad. How can he have a son? Walam takun lahu sahiba. When he had no wife. And Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, Qul huwa Allahu ahad. Say he is Allah, the one. He created the heavens and the earth and he was alone. He provides for all of creation and he is alone. He gives life and death and he is alone. On the day of resurrection, when he will wrap the earth and the heavens and he will be by himself, he will be alone. And when he allows people to enter paradise and hell, he will not ask for the opinion of anyone. He is alone in his command. And that is why Allah said, يَوْمَهُمْ barizun." On the day of judgment, they will be exhibited. لا يخفى عن الله منهم شيء. Nothing what they do will be hidden. لمن الملك اليوم. They will be, it will be announced. Who does the kingdom belong to today? And the answer, لله الواحد. القهار. To Allah, the one. The subduer. So, the fact that you find yourself at some point in your life unable to continue physiologically, spiritually, emotionally. You're weak. You need a wife and you need a husband. Huh? This is the greatest reminder that قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Allah is one. Tawheed is found in the institution of marriage. لا إله إلا الله. Number two, we said conformity to the prophetic way. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ, when he came to hear of three men who decided that they will worship Allah in a different way. One of them said, I will pray all night and I will not sleep. And the second said, I will fast and I will never break it. And the third said, I do not marry women. And when the Prophet ﷺ heard of this bid'ah, this innovation, he summoned them. He said, Antumu alladheena qultum kada wa kada. Were you the ones who said such and such? He said, Amma wallahi inni la akhshaakum lillahi wa atqaakum lah. I swear by Allah, no one fears Allah Almighty more than me. Walakinni usalli wa arqud wa asumu wa uftir wa atazawwaju an nisa' faman raghiba an sunnati falaysa minni. He said, as for me, I pray and I sleep. And I fast and I break it. And I also marry women. So whoever turns away from my way is not to consider himself from one of us. So, ittiba' conformity to the prophetic way is found in the institution of marriage. And we said number three, tazkiyah, the purification of the soul. And perhaps this is the most obvious. And this is found very obviously in marriage as well. How marriage, la ilaha illallah, closes many of the traps of shaitan and fills the heart from its void and allows the mind to concentrate on other matters of life with the help of a wife or a husband. And that is why uh, Bukhari and Muslim narrate on the authority of Ibn Mas'ud, the famous hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya ma'ashar al-shabab, O young men, O young people, Whoever of you is able to get married, must get married. Because it will help you lower your gaze and it will help you protect your private parts. And whoever is unable to get married, 
then this person should fast, i.e. a lot of fasting, because this will be his shield. So, subhanallah, the three most important bits of luggage in your life, tawheed and conformity to the sunnah and tazkiyah, purification of the soul, are all captured in the institution of marriage. Therefore, no surprise that the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith which Al-Bayhaqi narrates, Man tazawwaja faqad istakmala nisfad dini falyattaqillaha fil nisf al-baqi Whoever marries has completed half of his faith. And so let him fear Allah with respect to the other half. Why have we chosen the topic of married ever after? There are so many other topics that we could have covered. But in all honesty, in many of these topics, especially in this moment in time, you will find that they relate to some people, but not others. Should you take a detailed fiqhi jurisprudential topic, it might affect some, but not others. If this series was about the ruling of zakah, and we need it, it might affect those who have money, but it will not affect those who don't. If this series was about, say, nahu grammar, sarf, morphology, balagha, rhetoric, it will affect those who want to specialize, but it will not affect others. If we wanted to speak about debate, how to give and take with atheists, it may affect some of us who would like to push ourselves in this domain, but it may not affect others who feel it's beyond them. However, when you address the topic of marriage in Islam, it should affect every single Muslim on planet Earth. Because either you are married and you are happy, or either you are ma married and you are unhappy, or either you are unmarried and happy, or either you are unmarried and unhappy, one way or another, this topic is going to affect you. Why have we chosen the topic of married ever after? I'm going to share with you seven headings. And the first of them is this. We have chosen this particular topic because Azawaj marriage is the way of the prophets and messengers before us. Every one of the prophets, with perhaps a few exceptions, who don't affect the rule, had wives. And some of those prophets had multiple wives. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, وَلَا قَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّن قَبْلِكَ We sent messengers before you. وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَذُرِّيَّةً And we made for them wives and children. So they all had wives. With the exception perhaps to Jesus, son of Mary, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. Some of the scholars, they say he married Maryam al-Majdaliyya during his life. Others, they say it's unlikely that he did that. Some, they say when he comes back to planet Earth, he will remarry others. They say we don't really have knowledge of that. But it's an exception to the rule in all cases. Yahya alayhi salatu wasalam, John the Baptist. Some have said that he didn't actually marry during his life based upon how Allah described him, Hasura, but there is a difference of opinion as per what is meant by Hasur. But generally speaking, all of the prophets and messengers in their thousands had wives. So this is cause number one behind our choosing of this topic. It was the way of the prophets and messengers. Number two, marriage in Islam is seen as a garment, a libas, that no Muslim can do without. 
Allah Almighty, in beautiful words, said, describing the institution of marriage, هُنَّ لِبَاسٌ لَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لِبَاسٌ لَهُنْ They are a garment for you, meaning your wives, and you are a garment for them. Qatada, he said, describing what is meant by this, he said, هُنَّ سَكَنٌ لَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ سَكَنٌ لَهُنْ It means you are a tranquility for them, and they are a tranquility for you. And subhanallah, al-libas, a garment, serves many purposes. Look at this beautiful Quranic tashbih, the analogy, the comparison made. What does, how, how does clothes serve you? It covers your private parts. It conceals your nakedness. And that is the purpose of marriage as well. Husband and wife, they cover the deficiencies of one another. They cover the vulnerabilities of one another. They hide the secrets of one another. They strengthen one another. They don't expose one another. That's the purpose of a garment. Number two, a libas, a garment, shields you from the elements. Whether it's the scorching heat, whether it's the blistering cold, your clothes is a protection from the elements. And similarly, marriage is supposed to serve the exact same purpose, a protection from the elements of life. Number three, your clothes, your garments, are the closest things to you. There is nothing closer to you at this second in time than what you are wearing, your outer and inner garments. And Allah said, your wives, your husbands, they are your garments. And so, therefore, we understand this element of being near and close to your spouse. There shouldn't be these prolonged periods of separation. Because it's not the function of a garment to be far away from one who is wearing it. So this is the second reason why we're speaking about this topic. Because it is the most important garment that a believer can wear. Number three. We've chosen this topic of married ever after because there is no other topic that is of a greater miracle than this. Marriage is the greatest miracle, or we can say marriage is a miracle in every sense of the word. Really. When you think about it, how two people who perhaps share different ideas in life. At times, they have different first languages, different cultures, different surnames, different appearances, different ways of upbringing. They don't know one another. Should they pa walk past one another in the street, it, they wouldn't bat an eyelid. This person is a stranger. And then all of a sudden, with the bond of marriage, they become the nearest people on planet Earth. How is that possible? Allah said, I was the one who created from water human beings. And he made this person a relative by means of marriage and lineage. And your Lord is certainly most capable. It's a miracle. Previously, they did not know one another. Previously, they meant nothing for one another. Should one pass away, it wouldn't affect the other. They are strangers. And then all of a sudden, through marriage, this person becomes the nearest individual to you on earth. 
such that if they were to travel for work, for example, and back in the days when they traveled for work, it wasn't like nowadays a weekend, Friday to Sunday. Sometimes it would be months on end, sometimes years on end, looking for your provisions. And the pain that they would experience during that moment of departure, and in the coming weeks I'm going to share with you some of the poetry that was said by the Arabs, who were bidding farewell to their wives before they traveled for months and years. You will see, as Ibn Taymiyyah said, the pain that they experienced during that time of departure was similar to the pain of death. How did that happen when they used to be strangers to one another? It is called the miracle of marriage. That is reason number what, brothers? That is reason number three. As for reason number four, we've chosen the topic of married ever after because marriage is the most wholesome form of enjoyment that life could provide. Perhaps coming second place only to the enjoyment of being a Muslim. And that is why the Nabiul Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-dunya mata'ah. The hadith of Muslim on the authority of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As. Al-dunya mata'ah. Life is an enjoyment. Wa khayyuru mata'ayha al-mar'atu salihah. And the best form of worldly enjoyment is the righteous woman. And the companions had a question for the Prophet ﷺ. They said to him, Ya Rasulullah, ayyul mali natakhid? O Messenger of Allah, what type of money should we acquire? Animals, land, livestock, currency. What type of wealth should we acquire? He gave them an answer that they were not expecting. He said to them, لِيَتَّخِذْ أَحَدُكُمْ قَلْبًا شَاكِرًا وَلِسَانًا ذَاكِرًا وَامْرَأَةً صَالِحَةً تُعِينُ أَحَدَكُمْ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِ الْأَخِرًا The money, the wealth that you should require is a heart that is grateful to Allah and a tongue that is in praise of Allah and a righteous woman, underline this, a righteous wife who will help you in your journey to the hereafter. It is the most wholesome form of enjoyment that a human being can experience in the life of this world coming second place perhaps only to the joy of believing in Allah and worshipping Him. Number five, the reason why we've chosen this topic is because marriage is the widest route to the objective of peace and inner tranquility. And just ask those who are experiencing the opposite of this marital discord, they will tell you that nothing can sap you of happiness, and contentment and tranquility than being disunited with your wife or husband. And I quote to you the ayah that you've all memorized. This is the go-to ayah in the marriage ceremonies and the uh, marital occasions. The ayah from Surah Ar-Rum, where Allah said, and we will recite it, and then we will break it down step by step. Because it is fi samimi mawdu'ina. It's at the heart of what we are discussing this ayah. It's the crux. It's the asl. Where Allah said, min ayatihi. From the signs of Allah. And خَلَقَ لَكُم مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ That He has created from yourselves spouses. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you may find comfort in her. وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً And He's placed between you affection and mercy. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ There are indeed signs in this for people who 
what, who think. Rewind and take this ayah bit by bit. Allah said, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ And from these signs of Allah. Signs of what? From the signs of the oneness of Allah. From the signs of the power of Allah. The capability of Allah Jalla Jalalu. The sovereignty of Allah Jalla Jalalu. From his signs is what? That he has created from amongst you spouses. And I find it amazing that this ayah that speaks of marriage as being a sign of Allah is wedged in the middle of a series of ayat that speak about huge things. And then all of a sudden you have the topic of marriage that appears as another one of the signs of Allah. Ajib when you think about it, I'll demonstrate. The ayah before it, what does Allah say? وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ تُرَابٍ from the signs of Allah is that He created you from the earth. Then you became human beings scattered on the land. This is a sign of Allah, something mighty. And then the ayah after our ayah, what does He say? From the signs of Allah is the creation of the heavens and the earth and the different languages that you speak and your different colors. These are huge signs of Allah. The ayah after it, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ مَنَامُكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ From the signs of Allah is how you sleep during the night and day. The ayah after it, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ يُرِيكُمُ الْبَرْقَ خَوْفًا وَطَمَعًا From the signs of Allah is that He shows you lightning, causing you hope and fear. وَيُنَزِّلُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً And He brings rain down upon you. Signs of Allah. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَن تَقُومَ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ بِأَمْرِهِ From the signs of Allah is how He maintains the heavens and the earth by His command. ثُمَّ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ دَعْوَةً مِنَ الْأَرْضِ إِذَا أَنْتُمْ تَخْرُجُونَ Then when He calls you from the earth, one calling, you will emerge. So, sign after sign after sign that all indicate the oneness of Allah. Some speaking about the heavens and the earth. Some speaking about lightning and rain, and some speaking about the resurrection, and some speaking about our creation. And then all of a sudden you have, from the signs of Allah is marriage. Ajeeb, subhanAllah, because it is a sign. It is a miracle that is no less in magnificence than the other signs that you just heard. So, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ From the signs of Allah, that He has created from yourselves, spouses. There's a difference of opinion here between the scholars. Who is being addressed here that he created from yourself spouses? Some scholars, they say, it's the men who are being addressed. That he created from you, O men, a woman, meaning from your father, Adam, his wife, Hawa, so that you may find rest in her. That's the opinion of most of the scholars of tafsir. Some said, like Atahir ibn Ashur, he said, no, the ones who are being addressed here is humanity. He created from yourselves, meaning from your species, your kind. Spouses, meaning men and women, from your kind. So both are being addressed here, men and women. He created from your kind, your spouse, so that you may find rest in her. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا Ah, so you are told that the reason why your spouse was created from your jinns, from your kind, from your category, your species, so that you may be able to find tranquility. In other words, had your spouse not been from your species, 
you would not be able to achieve this goal of tranquility. And that's why it's a little bit strange when we are hearing that nowadays the contemporary forms of marriages between man and a cat, and a man who's married his dog. And we've seen people who've married their pet frog. And a recent one, a woman who's married the Eiffel Tower, and another who's married the Berlin Wall. It's not going to bring you the Sakina which Allah speaks about in the ayah. He said, from your species we created a spouse so that you may find rest in her. This is called the Lam Ta'lil, the Lam of causation, created from yourself so that you may find peace in her. Meaning this causes this. Notice how Allah did not say so that you may find peace at the place of your spouse. Indaha. The preposition of Indah. No, the ayah said Litashkunu what? Ilayha. Which translates as so that you may find peace in her. Not at the place of your spouse. In your spouse you find peace. What's the difference? Hamid, what's the difference? This is your territory all day. Yes, sir. Tada. Ah. Jameel, yeah? So the element of distance, brother said. Inda, at the place of your spouse, far. Ilayha, in your spouse, meaning it is near. Some of the scholars have said, Inda, uh, indicates your physical presence. Where you are physically. You say, Ana askunu inda al-Sheikh Muhammad. I find my peace at the place of Sheikh Muhammad. Meaning, when I'm at his house, when I am physically at his house, I find peace there. So, inda describes where a person is physically. When you say, ilayha, meaning, I find peace in that person, it's not about where you are physically, it's where you are what? Emotionally. So your heart is with that person. Yeah, it's not about where you are physically. Your heart is with that person. So the ayah said, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you may find peace in her. Not at the place of your spouse, in your spouse. لِتَسْكُنُوا this word that we translate as sakina, uh, tranquility. I think you brothers use it from the Indo-Pak region, sukun, right? You say it, sukun. In the Arabic language, the three letters of sakana, when they come together, it means al-inqita'u something that stops moving, stillness, sukun, stillness. Yeah, linguistically, when these three letters come together, it means something that has Stop moving. The opposite of an ittirab, which is movement. This is called ittirab. This is called sukun. That's why, what do the Arabs call the knife? Ish. Sheikh Muhammad, what do they call the knife? Sakin. Same three letters. Why? Because when you slaughter, the zabiha, inshallah, yeah? nothing here X-rated. The animal, inshallah, for food. When you slaughter it, stops moving. Uh, you've stopped it from moving. Sikkin. The house. What is the house called in Arabic? Ya Ustaz Tariq. Al-Bayt. Okay, another one. <laughs> Quorum of God there. Maskan or Sekan. Why? Because you come into the house, you? You stop? Stop what? Moving. So you stop moving. Sekan. Yes? 
So the wife, she was, or the husband, or the spouse, is described as second. Why? Because you have this image of someone who's moving around by day, making the money, bringing the bread home, and stress, and people, and kadan. And then you come home, and khalas, all of a sudden, there is, there is no more movement. There's comfort. There's sukoon. So he said, we've made from yourself spouses, so that you may find sukoon, sakina, tranquility, in her. And then he said, And he's placed between you both affection and mercy. What's the difference between love and affection? The Quran did not say, Love and mercy. No, he said, affection and mercy. What's the difference between love and affection? Ya Allah, ya shabab. We've gone to English now, so this should be easy. We don't have a single romantic man here? When ya shabab? This is the romance. Fadal Sheikh. Okay. Mawadda is more than love, how? Ayo? Oh, okay, right, see. MashaAllah. Mitzawaj, ya Sheikh? Mitzawaj? MashaAllah. Lucky wife, Allah. MashaAllah. Huge congratulations for your wife. MashaAllah. You can take a page from our brother's book here, MashaAllah. The scholars have said that uh, love is what you feel inside your heart towards a person. Mawadda is the expression of the love. Huh? is the expression of the love. Sometimes we have people in the Sharia court, they come to us and they are fighting and the wife says, he doesn't love me. He says, of course I love you, honey. You, if I can show you my heart, you'd see it's spilling with love. What is she saying? Huh? What is she saying, Malik? There's no affection. And you're not showing me that love. So Allah says, he's placed between you, mawadda, right? The affection, the idharul hub. It's more of a verb, the expression of love and rahmah, mercy. Why did they come side by side? Allah, the Quran is miraculous, la ilaha illallah. Why affection and mercy? Why not just affection? Yani this is the image that Hollywood promotes to us, that all you need is love. They lived happily ever after. Why mercy? Ah, Hamid. Ah, I see Hamid is warming up now. Ah, tawadda shaykh. It allows you to deal with the lulls. Like what? What lulls in life require mercy? Old age. Sah, Sheikh? Uh, illness. Sah? Tayyib? So, uh, Ar-Razi, he said that the reason that both of them were required is because one leads to the other. That's the first thing. One leads to the other. In the beginning of a relationship, what is it? It's passion. Uh, it's like a, a hot coal or a flickering flame. It's, 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 it's excitement. Yeah, it's love. It's romance. There's not much affection. Yes? But then what happens later on in life as they grow all together? The mercy kicks in. So now they can't live with one another. They feel sorry for one another. There's sorrow for one another. So he's placed between you affection and, and mercy. There's going to be a whole dars just on this ayah, inshallah, we will have it in the coming weeks. So in the first part of a marriage, there is a huge amount of love. Later on, there is mercy. Allah said there is both between. Furthermore, subhanAllah, Tahir ibn Ashur, he says this. 
he says some of the strongest relationships that a person has in his or her life is defined by mawadda affection. So the friends that you have, if I was to ask you, tell me about your relationship with him, my brother, you will say, Wallahi, mawadda, affection, very strong affection. That's between you and your friends. And some of the strongest relationships are defined by rahmah, mercy. Like the relationship between father and son, mother, daughter, parent and child. There is mercy there more than anything else. So Al-Qahir ibn Ashur, he says, what then do you make of a relationship that brings together both affection and mercy? La ilaha illallah. That is marriage. When it is done correctly and is played properly, that is the purpose of this series, to unlock all of these gems and these ideals that we are speaking about. So we've said the reason why we are speaking about the topic of marriage is because it's the way of the prophets before us. And we said that it's a garment that you cannot do without. And we said that it is a miracle in every sense of the word. We said it is the most wholesome form of enjoyment dunya has to offer. And it is the widest door that leads to Sakina tranquility. Number six, the reason why we've spoke, we are speaking about this topic is because uh, the decline of the institution of marriage is the marker of the decline of nations. Yeah. Society starts at the smallest possible level. Countries are made up of cities. Cities are made up of towns. Towns are made up of streets. Streets are made up of families, husband and wife. And so if it is broken, at the base level it is broken all the way top. All the way at the top. And I truly believe that most of our travesties as a Muslim Ummah can be traced back to the breakdown of the Muslim family unit. Rather, the travesties of most of humanity, I think can be argued, can be traced back to the breakdown in the family structure. And there was a world-famous historian by the name of Edward Gibbon. And he studied the rise and fall of the Roman civilization. And he said that the Roman civilization declined because of five features that became salient in their civilization. He said, number one, there was a weakening in the sense of individual responsibility. Nobody felt responsible and accountable for the welfare of society, family, community, religion. There was no more individual responsibility. Number two, the Roman civilization began to suffer a breakage in the family structure. Highlight that one. Number three, he says that there was a huge amount of government intervention, control and taxes levied upon people. And number four, there was people, a lot of promiscuity and hedonism and pursual of desire that, that was becoming violent and immoral. And number five, the decline of religion. What was number two? Number two was the breakdown of the family unit was what caused the decline of the Roman civilization. So this topic marks the rise or fall of civilizations. And number seven, and this is the last of the seven points I wanted to share with you, and that is the reason why we are speaking about married ever after is because shaitan places a lot of his investments in this topic. Muslim narrates on the authority of Jabir that the Messenger said, Inna Iblisa 
Iblis establishes his throne upon water. Then he sends out his troops to cause corruption. He said, And the end of that evening, the shaitani troop who will be nearest to Iblis is the one who causes most corruption. They will report back to their lead shaitan Iblis and they will say, I did such and such. Corruption. Iblis will say, Ma fa'alta shay'an. You've done nothing. Then a second one will come and he will say, Ma taraktuhu hatta farraktu baynahu wa bayna mara'atihi. I did not leave those two married individuals till I separated between them. Ah, then Iblis will say to him, Ni'ma'ant. You are the one. And in another narration of Al-A'mash, he adds, وَيَلْتَزِمُهُ and he brings him near to him. You are the one. You've separated between husband and wife. This is it. And as a rule, my brother, my sister, when shaitan puts his money for a cause, we are to pay attention. He has invested so much time and effort and his men into destroying the institution of marriage. Maqsadun shaytani. It is a satanic ambition to see divorce a feature of a society. And when you uh, ask yourself the question, why does he invest so much time and effort in this? Well, you look at the ramifications of divorce. In many cases, not all, but in, in many and sometimes most, the husband is derailed from his religion. And he's now experimenting. Left, right and center, he's off the hook, he's off the leash. The wife, she may behave in a wild way, decline in her religion and find ways to harm her ex-husband by depriving him from seeing the children or any other way to upset him and harm him, cause pain. And as for the children, hadith wala haraj, Allahul musta'an, what happens to the children who come from a broken home? In most cases, not all. Ian Duncan Smith, who is the ex-work and pension secretary of the UK, he said that children who come out of broken homes are nine times more likely to commit crime than children who come out from stable homes. Other statistics, they say that children who come from a broken home are more likely to be obese than they are to be healthy. Children nowadays are more likely to have a smartphone than they, than they are a father. Children nowadays, if trends continue in the UK as they are at this moment in time, there is a one in three chance that children before the age of 15 will not be in a home with a mother and father, but with one or the other. It is a musibah, it's a calamity. And the tsunami of marital breakdown is battering the coasts of humanity, not just the Muslims. Take a look at the statistics. It's not just us who are being affected. It's a worldwide phenomena. There is an issue. In the uh, 1930s, one in seven marriages ended in divorce in America. In the 1960s, one in four marriages ended in divorce. And now in modern day times, it's around one in two marriages will end in divorce in the United States. In China, there is a huge surge now in the filings for divorce, so much so that courts are now requiring couples to carry out an exam 
uh, before they can file for a divorce to try to limit it. And then when you turn to a country like Egypt, with one of the biggest Muslim populations, certainly in the Arab world, there is a divorce that's happening there every two minutes. In Pakistan, the ex-Prime Minister Imran Khan, he, sired, he, 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 he raised a flag. He was concerned and he spoke about his concern for the rising levels of divorce in Pakistan. And then when you turn to the Arab world, it is just as devastating, if not worse. In 2014, it was documented that in parts of Saudi Arabia, divorce is reaching up to 60% of marriages. In 2013, there was a report that spoke about the divorces in Qatar. And in 2014, in the UAE, Qatar and the UAE suffering a divorce rate of approximately 70% of marriages that are ending in divorce. It's a it's a catastrophe. And so much is being applied to reverse this trend. You've got uh, dowry caps, uh, group weddings, uh, uh, people are loaning people money to give their mahar or their dowry in financial incentives, penalties for divorce. Nothing is working. Where does this sit with our Quran when Allah said, Ya ayyuhan idha talaqtumun nisa. O Prophet, if you divorce women. Look at the particle here of co the conditional particle of idha. Yeah? If you happen to divorce, then you divorce at the end of period, meaning it's not supposed to be the norm. And then when you look into the misery that comes into the life of a human being, when they are going through marital discord, it really prevents them from becoming the true worshipper of Allah Almighty in many cases. Why? Because the heart is a vessel. And if that vessel is filled with gham, grief, misery, and pain, and shouting, and fighting. How are you going to fill that vessel with the worship of Allah, the ta'zeem of Allah, the glorification of Allah? No man has two hearts in his chest. Grief. I'm trying to build a case for you, dear brother, dear sister, why we are speaking about this topic. And there was a study that was done by two psychiatrists in 1967 by Thomas Holmes and Richard Raha where what they did was that they took a sample of 5,000 uh, patients and essentially they were trying to establish whether there is a link between stress and illness. Does stress cause illness? So they brought 5,000 patients and they presented them with a series of 43 life events. Uh, death, and divorce, and bankruptcy, 43 disasters that a person can experience and each one of these life experiences had a particular scoring and a weight to correspond to the stress. And each event which the patient added up to or each event which the patient uh, added meant that the score was higher. And if the score was higher, it means the stress was higher. And if the stress was higher, it means the likelihood to become ill was, was higher. Then they looked at the list of the most stressful events that can lead to illness and death. And they found, number one, death of a spouse. Number two, divorce. Number three, marital separation. 
and the top three of the list of stressful events that causes illness and death are all around the breakdown of a marriage. So the matter is serious, dear brothers and sisters. And something needs to be done about this. As you have found out, as Muslims, we are no exception to the rule that marriages are decaying left, right and center. So much so that if you see a Muslim a couple who are happy, you say, MashaAllah, may Allah protect them from the evil eye. This is strange. They haven't divorced yet. And you see the prenuptial agreements between husband and wife before they marry. As if to say, uh, it's not till death do us part, it's till divorce do us part. SubhanAllah. The assumption is divorce. So they're sat, instead of sitting with a sheikh, they are sat with a lawyer before they get married. Where do the assets go in the case of a divorce? Therefore, because the challenge is great, brothers and sisters, our response as Muslims needs to be equal, of equal measure, to deal with this challenge. And that is why for this series, starting from next week, inshallah, we are going to retreat to the book of Allah, Jalla Jalalu. We're going to find our solution from there. Because Allah, Jalla Jalaluhu, said, مَا فَرَّطْنَا فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِنَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ يَهْدِي لِلَّتِي هِيَ أَقْوَمْ Indeed, this Qur'an guides to that which is best. And Allah Almighty said, مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا يُفْتَرَى The Qur'an was not a forged tale. وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِيقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ But it was a confirmation of what came before it. وَتَفْصِيلَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ And a description, a detailed description of all things. وَهُدًا and guidance. وَرَحْمَةً and a mercy لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ For people who believe. So we're going to go to the Book of Allah. And the method of the series is not going to be one whereby we're going to take a marital problem and a solution and a problem and a solution. La. This is not the Quranic way, Aslan. The Quranic way is that it gives usul, it gives foundations. Uh, it gives principles to help you manage the difficulty in your life and to keep your challenges at bay. We're going to go through maybe a dozen or so plus or minus principles from the Book of Allah. And these principles that I'm going to share with you have three characteristics. These principles will be universal, meaning they apply everywhere. And they will be timeless, meaning they apply at every period in time. And they will be self-evident, meaning you cannot argue a case against them. That would be foolish. It's self-evident. We will start this as of next week. And we're going to discover, inshallah, that it's not marriage that makes you happy. You are the one who makes your marriage happy. It, my happiness is not a, uh, a dream. It is a choice that we are able to make if we understand these principles and apply them. And I offer you two quick disclaimers here before I conclude and I leave you to it this evening. The first disclaimer in the study, please, number one, bear in mind that these principles are not intended to flush out every single problem and headache you experience with your husband and wife. Because even the Prophet Muhammad was not spared of these. He separated himself from his wives for weeks on end. And he was stressed because of them sometimes. This is part of life. 
Ali ibn Abi Talib fell out with Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, his wife. He left the house and he was found in the masjid sleeping, covered in sand. These principles, however, are looking to address the main issues that can threaten the fabric of a marriage and to give you a system by way you can deal with your problems and to flourish as a Muslim couple. That's disclaimer number one. Disclaimer number two, don't rush. Don't feel that you've memorized and understood the principles. You have to see results tomorrow or next week. It may take time. And I love the words of Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of the Highly Effective Families. And he speaks about the, the Chinese bamboo tree, the miracle of the Chinese bamboo tree. He says the Chinese bamboo tree, you place the seed and for four years you see nothing other than a bulb that comes out of the ground and a shoot. That's it, for four years. Very annoying. He said, but what is happening? Underground, it's building a huge network. Fibrous roots. It's establishing itself. And then on the fifth year, in one year, uh, it grows 80 feet into the, into the sky. Why am I saying this? When you study the series with us, inshallah ta'ala, your fifth year will come. It will arrive. It may happen next year, it may happen next month. Don't rush. Understand the principles first. Then apply them one at a time. Secondly, then leave it to Allah Jalla Jalaluhu to allow your seed to germinate when He wishes. But it will come ta'ala with patience and reliance upon Allah Jalla Jalaluhu. We will discover, inshallah, that living happily ever after with your husband and your wife is not a mystery. Uh, it's a mastery of certain skills. We're going to share them. Bi idni Allah Taala. Wa sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Muhammad. Alhamdulillah.